Um, so she's sitting in the emergency row, which nobody was sitting there on the way back. So the bus driver comes walking back and comes and puts her hands on her shoulder and says, Miss, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to move. And like everyone around her is like, oh shit, like, that's a safety concern. Like we're breaking the rules. Fuck. Because we're all drunk. She goes, no, miss, I'm going to have to ask you to move. There's a keg coming on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for your news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, the man who can't believe that a Vietnam vet supported a conscientious objector on a national stage, Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is the man who would likely pull better than anyone currently running for president, Mike Albright. And of course, the man whose audio wizardry is almost good enough to filter the crazy out of Donald Trump, <laughs> the man far, far too handsome for his own super PAC, Jesse Clark. Today is October 14th, 2015, and we're recording episode 64, Debatable Beers. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our new and improved website at www.blindtigerpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. Our podcast is available on Stitcher, and we have moved our entire catalog of episodes over to SoundCloud as well. We provide news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out, and subscribe today. Last night, the three of us sat down to watch the first debate between the Democratic candidates for President of the United States. While it was not nearly the same level of spectacle as the Republican counterparts, it was certainly must-see television. It isn't often that three friends can come together to voluntarily watch politicians talk endlessly about whether their opponent's 3% tax cut goes too far or doesn't go far enough. So in honor of the DNC deciding to let their darling tackle the big issues, our opening question this week is, if you were to share a beer with one of the Democratic candidates for president, who would you choose and what beer would you drink? So Mike, take us away. I think I'd like to share a beer with Lincoln Chaffee. Chaffee? Who? Doesn't matter. Uh, if for no other reason, then I believe that he desperately needs one. Uh, he seemed a little starstruck last night. He was kind of like a, had that nervous giddiness to his uh, to him last night. He, he was smiling uncontrollably. Yeah, had, but like, his really, eyes weren't. He had that weird thing where he's like he's smiling, yeah. but his eyes are like wide open. Like yeah. he's terrified. An unfocused uh, stare out to nobody in particular. Just, you yeah. know, hey, look at me. I'm on stage. Um, <coughs> Hi, Mom. He really couldn't form many coherent thoughts, I didn't think. I mean, he tried, but um, even like uh, Anderson Cooper just kind of ignored him towards the end of the night. <laughs> he started just asking him yes and no questions. Just yes or no, uh, Lincoln. Just like yes or no. No? Okay, well, we're moving on. <laughs> um, and he kind of made me wonder, like, do Rhode Islanders care about politics? And if <laughs> if they elected him governor? I mean, Rhode I Islanders. Yeah. There goes all the Rhode Island listeners. Oh, I just offended. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so actually, I don't know. I don't think I'd actually want to share a beer with him. I would give him a beer. I'd give him my beer and then go uh, just talk to Jim Webb. That man's probably got some crazy-ass stories. I mean, he, I want to hear more stories about him killing guys back in Nam. I mean, it's, it's probably some crazy shit, so... He seems a little young, though, doesn't he, to be in Nam? I mean, Jim Webb? I guess he's... Well, no, I'm 40... Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Because what Bernie Sanders was born in what forty one? He said. And yeah, if he's he the, the conscious. He 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 avoided it just as Clinton did. I mean, they are significantly older than Webb. How old is Webb? Uh, let's see. So, yeah, because we went over under on Bernie, and what what, what did he end up being? Seventy four. Yeah, okay. seventy four. Uh, years of service were nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy two. 
So that's when he joined. And fucking where the hell is his birth date, for fuck's sake? <laughs> that's, cla- that's classified. Born February 9th, uh, 1946. Okay. So he's probably pretty so young. So, so he's, he's five years younger than Bernie. So 69. Yeah. All right. He had a sweet signature, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Actually, that's kind of... Did you see the, the alternate angles? Like, the first part starts goes to the left, and the other parts go to the right a little bit? Yeah. I did read a handwriting analysis book. I and, do like... Uh, uh, that is, that is actually Wikipedia? a side of, yeah. like, psychosis. Oh. Really? Well, that should be fun. Now, of course, the book is, like, total, like... It's like astrology, really. I mean, it's like... It's all bullshit. Like, if you make your L's like this, then you might have a brother. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> you might like the color red, you know? It's like... So now we pissed off the handwriting people. <laughs> astrologists. <laughs> That's not bad. Rhode Islanders. Let's keep this list going. All right, so... <laughs> Jim yeah. But, yeah, that, that's who I'd have a beer with. Nice. All right. So, Jesse, how about you? Well, I will have an old Rasputin Imperial Russian Stout with Hillary. Um, partly the irony on the on the surface is that that, that I, I really don't think she understands Putin with uh, involving involvement in Syria, but more because of her answer when the question about the Black Lives Matter. She instead went for that every lives matter. If you remember, she actually said, uh, we need to be committed to making it possible for every child to live up to his or her God-given potential, rather than answering specifically that um, I know it is, is splitting hairs, but it is uh, it, the the point of the matter is you know you're 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 identifying that there's um, been a deficiency of attention to and um, respect for um, a whole large portion of our community, and rather than identifying that, um, she went for that every child matters, and for her, I will have a Russian imperial stout, a very dark beer, to show her that it's not a black tan. Let's just have a black beer and just enjoy that. Nice. Cool. Nice. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. So now we've pissed off all the racists on top of everything <laughs> else. Uh, um, so for me, I wanted to out myself in my personal politics. Uh, if you have the two-dimensional sort of Cartesian plot of uh, politics, where you have the libertarian author- uh, authoritarian on the uh, y-axis, and you have a conservative and liberal, progressive, um, more like uh, free market capitalism slash um, communistic on the x-axis. I'm about as far south and as far west as you can go. So for me, I um, uh, sympathize quite a great deal with Bernie Sanders and the whole like democratic socialism sort of thing. And I'm about as crazy libertarian, just shy of being all in all anarchist. I think we should have as little government interference in our lives as humanly possible. And I think we should all band together with common resources for the greater good. So you'd think I want to sit down with Bernie Sanders, but no, I'm going to go with Jim fucking Webb ah. because here's the reality. He was freaking <laughs> awesome last night. Uh, he spoke with policies uh, and opinions that I didn't necessarily agree with, but he was unbelievably candor, no nonsense, straight shooter. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not saying that I would vote for him in the primary, uh, I thought he'd be an amazing person to have a beer with. Um, when asked what his greatest enemy is, I super enjoyed the, that was the bastard that tried to kill me with a hand grenade. And he implied pretty heavily that uh, that guy ain't around no more because uh, Jim Webb fucking kicked his ass. So in honor of that, we would share from Arrowhead Brewing Company, kick-ass 
coffee cream ale. <laughs> You're thinking, what, yes. you want to caffeinate that guy? <laughs> I do, I do. Well, I think he needed a little bit more spark, a little bit more fire, a little more, more animation. He was Oh, what he was like, speaking up, is like, hey, I want to answer some questions over here. Over here, over here, there's a question. Yeah. True, but when he was speaking, he didn't have the crazy arms of Bernie Sanders. He didn't oh, yeah. have the creepy smiles of Hillary Clinton. So, uh, you know, I want just wanted more pep and life out of him. So this uh He's the only one that didn't look like a serial killer. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He was very uh, calm and composed. So this it was only 5.1% ABV, so it wouldn't be too bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's from Arrowhead Brewing Company. And uh, so I figured it's got uh, three awesome go- uh, donkeys howling at the moon on the label. And it just seemed like the all-in-all sort of perfect beer to share with a guy who uh, really actually impressed the hell out of me last night. And what do you think, VP? Um, VP nomination? Was I'd that, be okay with that. Is that a Mally, do you think? I'm hoping that, well, my love in the fictional land of, of Rob's unbelievably <laughs> crazy politics would be uh, Elizabeth Warren would be a fan. There you go. It comes, yeah. comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that she would has be... no desire for the job, so I don't think she'd ever. Well, no, she had no it. desire for presidency. I didn't, mm-hmm. She didn't say vice presidency. It's true. That's true. But uh, yeah. I think she I just think did that good. because she knew that Hillary was running right now and she didn't. I've. For whatever reason, I was I, I I have this impression. Maybe I read it somewhere that there was some kind of like the donors that she would get were the ones that Hillary and they made her promise not to run. Well, this the problem time. is that most <clears throat> of Hillary's big donors is Wall Street, and there's no way they're giving. Okay, Elizabeth well then maybe that's not what I read. Maybe I'm confusing. Something. She's more anti Wall Street than uh, Bernie. Maybe I'm confusing with something else. Then we're just saying a lot. But yeah, uh, apparently Jim Webb was a. Uh, Big uh, surprise performer at the uh, first debate, so I'm curious. To see. Hopefully, he sticks around for the second one in a couple of weeks because I'd like to see him again. Yep, definitely. Sweet. Well, let's uh, with that. Let's move on to a little beer news. Beer news. And uh, Mike is flying solo tonight on beer news. So, just a couple of articles. Uh, should we start with national? So, because beards and beer are the new peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> uh, if you're tired of beards being associated with beer and brewers and vice versa, then this next article is sure to piss you off. <laughs> it seems that Rogue, known for their outrageously flavored beers, such as Sriracha beer and Maple Donut Ew. beer and God knows what else beer, also make a beer fermented by a yeast cultured from the beer of brewmaster John Mayer. Wait, yeah. wait, from? Yes. His, uh, from, wait, Can biologically? He the yeast yes. out of his beard. Yeah, because he has, he apparently has not shaved since 1978, so he's probably got some good fungal cultures in there. Yeah, he pulls Jesus. it out, and then they uh, put it on a plate, I guess, and they use whatever yeast they get from it to ferment the beer. Interesting. Yes. Oh, my God. Pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> Hi, it, I have a yeast infection. Let's <laughs> use this to make beer. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be next. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they've, they've been making this beer since 2013. I just let that one sink in a little bit. Uh, they've actually been making this for like two years now, uh, but mm. I guess it's making rounds in the new again because it's being brewed in concert with, of course, No Shave November or Movember. Uh, it's actually news to me. I didn't know this, but it seems that uh, that's not just a holiday for the lazy boyfriends of the world, but also a charity that raises money for cancer awareness. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what they do. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> just like that ice buck challenge. <laughs> oh, right. Because I think it's, it's funny, though, the way they... Uh, pose that like raise money for cancer awareness because we didn't know cancer was around or a thing. Oh, I forgot so, about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like by being aware of it, somehow it cures it or helps right, it yeah. in any way. Yeah, definitely no specifics. Um, I personally call for anyone. Rem- First step is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> do I have a problem? No, I think cancer. I, I have a problem. I have plenty of problems. <laughs> I do. As far as I know, I don't have cancer, but. Well, I personally call for anyone remotely interested in trying this beer or hell any of Rogue's beers to either flush their money down the toilet or better yet, donate those funds to your cancer charity of choice. 
Uh, I think we support the brewery by buying the beer. I can only imagine that it won't be long before they start doing other things. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll start ejaculating into bottles and calling it jizz juice. Uh, they support those funds support prostate cancer. I can only imagine testicular Yikes. cancer. I don't know. Ew. That got real gross real fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, come on. Uh, well, I mean, yeast infection. I mean, like, seriously. Well, I mean, yeast from beards to make a beer, like. We were civil up until you just said that. I mean, I I understand the idea of like wild yeast. You grab that like anywhere. You're supposed to go out with a little True. bit of work, just put it out there and pitch a culture and hopefully catch some yeast, go crazy with it, and you can make a nice wild ale. And uh, people, are, actually homebrewers do that quite a bit. It's a little something different when it, like the yeast literally is coming off your body in some fashion. Because right. that means the dude isn't probably washing his beard as accurately or as often as he should. Can't imagine. Well, you're not making out with him, Rob. You're just drinking his beer. <laughs> his beard or his beer? <laughs> I feel like those words are interchangeable at that point. <laughs> when you drink his beer, you've been everywhere that beard has ever been, I guess. I, I suppose so. There's so many bees. We need a... There's a lot of alliteration going on right just now. Just picturing when that beard may have been over the years. Yeah, maybe this is like just from him not wearing like one of those little beard cup things. Remember they put the like the you're supposed to wear like a beard cover when you're. When you yeah, that's it. it. They had a bunch of wart, and then he dropped a bunch of beard hair. He's like, oh shit! He leaned over too like, far. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. hey we just got beard beer. Beer started, no problem. <clears throat> I guess it's okay if you violate your health code by uh, rules. It and, was intentional. Yeah. <laughs> if you intentionally violate the rules, then it's acceptable. Wait, 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 wait! Though that that means then that. <clears throat> His beard would have had him been like taken care of and meeting all the standards up until that point, though. Like you said, he hasn't shaved since nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, seventy eight. That means then he would have had to. Well, maybe he just had to wash it. I don't know what the. the I I don't know what the standards are for beard I, care for I, food, but I mean it is true. Like I imagine beard. you would then have to follow whatever protocol that is necessary for food. Like the you know, the FDA would have to like inspect your beard. Well, they can't like. <laughs> sanitize it because if they do they kill the yeast that they would be using to make there yeah. so I, I thought it's and it's interesting because i mean we do have lots of things growing at us all at all times yeast bacteria all sorts of things i don't so, want to drink it yeah <laughs> it'd be hard to actually like just get the yeast and not uh, other <laughs> like pedococcus or lactobacillus or other gross things you really don't want in your beer yeah unless you're intentionally trying to make it sour but yeah <laughs> Take the gym bag, throw it in the boiler, see what happens. So let's move on to some other gross news. Yeah. Take it away, Mike. Oh. International news. So we were, we talked about this, I think, last time. AB InBev and Sab Miller are sitting in a big old money tree. P-I-S-S-I-N-G, off <laughs> financial regulators. <laughs> so it appears that AB InBev drove a great big dump truck full of money up the Sab Miller's door, and they are not made of stone. They have agreed, in principle, to be bought by the world's largest beer maker in a deal worth $104 billion. To give you an idea on how much uh, we like our beer, the latest acquisition by Dell for EMC, which was the biggest deal in technology, that was only $67 billion. So this is a huge, huge deal. Billion. Uh, <laughs> more bees. Uh, completing this deal will give the combined companies a 25% share of the world's beer market. And World Beer Market is the main driving force behind the deal. Uh, AB InBev wants a piece of the, the market share that Sad Miller enjoys, especially in emerging markets like Africa. Financial regulators are being said to give the deal their blessing, uh, pending a few compromises. SAB Miller has a joint venture with Miller Coors in America, and before the deal is approved, uh, they most likely will have to quit being BFFs. And also, uh, and it's not just America, China will also... Um, is another country that will most likely want S.A.B. Miller to give up some control over its beer market before it gives its blessing to the deal. So I know S.A.B. Miller has some sort of uh, uh, deal or they produce the most popular beer in China. So that's another one where... Hmm. 
That's now, good. you said um, 25% in the world. I thought it was like higher in the United States. Like, was it 50% in the United States? If you have the combination so, of those two? Well, they'll get a little bit more market share in the U.S., but because SCB Miller is mostly international brands, it only has a couple that we recognize here in the States. Like, it does Blue Moon. It does a couple other. I can't think off the top of my head. It's mostly it's because they have that partnership with Miller Coors that they have a lot of other brands that we recognize. Um, they don't really own them outright. They just kind of like are partnered. And so okay. if they if Anheuser Busch buys them, then they will have to cancel that partnership, thus making Miller Coors its own entity by itself once again. Hmm. But still, that's a, I mean, having that large market. I mean, can you imagine like if you're a bar and and now like and they come to you and say they you have to like they're like they have a new beer or whatever mm -hmm. and they're like we want you have it on your tap and if you don't put this new one that's maybe not popular we'll take off all of these that are like in demand i mean that's that's shitty yeah they're just this is this gaining is not good. more and more this it, is not good it's pretty wild another thing another interesting <clears throat> uh piece of information mm -hmm. i heard i thought was kind of stunning was that if uh, once this deal is approved uh ab imbev's next move might actually be to buy coca-cola <laughs> At least that's not beer related. And no. then they buy the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so according to Wikipedia, so take it with a slight grain of salt, but they're usually pretty right about this stuff. Um, Anheuser Bush InBev has sixteen brands that individually generate over one billion USD per year in revenue out of a portfolio of more than two hundred brands. Uh, that says of 2014. This portfolio includes global brands such as Budweiser, Corona, Stella Artois, Bex, Hogarden, uh, Lefe, and Brands such as Bud Light, Skoll, Brahma, Antarctica, uh, Victoria, Modelo, Especial, Michelob Ultra, Harbin, Cedron, blah, 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 a whole bunch of other ones um, all over the world. So you're talking about like a lot of really big brands in the United States, um, even though technically like Stella Artois might not count as a big beer, but you can get that in most places or yeah. a lot of places in the United States, as well as Beck's, you see Hogarden a lot as well. So um yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they generate a billion dollars in profit a year. Hmm. Or sales, I guess. That's crazy. And bringing Coca-Cola, the biggest soda company in the world, would be... Yeah, because Coca's soda plus a lot of other brands are in their umbrella, too. It's just like any liquid you drink soon might be made or owned by the same company. It's yeah, weird. pretty much. That'd be pretty terrifying. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, sad. We'll pour one out for the homies later. Yeah, that's right. Well, speaking uh, of Bernie Sanders and socialism... Not at all. Go ahead. But <laughs> <laughs> we were waiting for yeah. some sort of segue. So do you guys want to talk about beer or do you want to drink beer? Uh, drink beer. All right. Well, we're going to skip straight over. Uh, beer somewhere around. The next segment will be beer somewhere around the world. Yeah. Beer from around the world. Beers from a galaxy far, far away brought home for your tasting pleasure. So while we were happy to celebrate the return of Emily from Parts Unknown, at least to us, and her generous donation of British <laughs> Where she beers, is unknown to us now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and obviously her generous donation of British beers, we still have more exotic beers than we necessarily know what to do with. Our goal here on this podcast is to actually drink beer. So we're going to hike up our pants, fill our glasses <laughs> with interesting beer, and drink the beers we've been blessed to receive. So I'm going to go grab the beer, and then we will drink, drink, drink. <laughs> Awesome. Do I have to say a little prayer or a little uh, Bible, Bible thing? You know, give us a Sarah daily beer. You know, I always enjoyed. Thank you, God, for everything. <laughs> prayer ever. <laughs> I mean, how do you beat that, right? Yeah. 
All right, so the first beer we're going to have, and I'll have Mike pour it in a second, is Idle Time India Pale Ale from Crop Bistro and Brewery from Stowe, Vermont. Crop Bistro. Yes. Ooh, so cool. Um, let's see. It says, Idle Time IPA pays tribute to our brew site's original camp dating back to the 1930s era, serving as a refuge for outdoor enthusiasts and adventurers who descended upon the Stowe area. Our ingredients today are as simple as those times were. Mountain water, barley yeast, and new hop varieties create an IPA that awakens the senses. Straw yellow in color, unfiltered, and best when fresh, our 8% Idle Times IPA is big enough to reach double IPA status, yet smooth enough to encourage drinkability. Find your own refuge with a fresh bottle of Idle Time IPA. So, Mike, you want to pop that and pour it around? I do have an opener. You do not? Are you an outdoor enthusiast? Sure, I like the outdoors. I go out there every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Have to go out and get the mail sometime, right? Well, actually, the mail comes through the door for me. but. Yeah, did I go outside? No, I did go outside today. Yeah. I work from home on Wednesdays, and once I get up, and you guys are usually the first people I actually talk to. I have no contact with other humans, excluding email, of course. That doesn't count. No. Crop Bistro. Cool logo. I like what they're going for there. And it is straw in color, is it not? These descriptions, like I really don't think anyone like you read the description, you're like, okay, then you taste it, and then you completely forget the description. <laughs> like no one's like, oh wait, then like let's verify this description. Do you really smell, taste that X, Oof. Y, and Z? No. So it's uh, Crop uh, Bistro and Brewery. Uh, I love their website. Their hours are open seven days a week, eleven thirty a.m. to close. I assume they mean when you legally are required to shut down, yeah. but that's. Li- <laughs> Seems a little vague. Well, we shut down when the hell we want to shut down. Yeah. Um, but they are in Stowe, Vermont. Um, their brewmaster, Will Gibson, has been with them since the fall of 2012. Apparently, they renovated and installed a brew house in 2012. Huh. So he comes to crop with 20 years of diverse brewing experience. He was the founding brewer of uh, Mount or Moat Mountain Smokehouse and Brewing Company in New Hampshire. Uh, so he was apparently a ski bunny and was uh, approached by some people in Utah and gave a hand in hand. Then he just popped over here to uh, Crop Bistro and Brewery. So uh, he's been concocting brews of straw and golden lagers, big multi double box, amber ales, IPAs, double IPAs, brown ales, and stouts, yada, yada, yada. So basically a lot of what the Vermont guys are doing. And um, right. so this was uh, a selection. I saw that it was unfiltered and said, hey, you know, Never heard of these guys. Let's give them a shot, shot and see what we think. So seems like it's a cool little uh, place to grab a beer and or some food. Because I was even in Stowe, and I don't remember this place at all. Especially if you, I mean, you said they were open in 2012. So yeah, pretty sure that's when I was when we were there. It's got a very nice nose on it. Mm-hmm. This it's is very, a good beer. It's very herbally. Can I see the bottle. Yeah, it's very herbally. Yeah, this is the way. I, um, I mean, there's really two smells that I really dig from beer. One is when you got that really nice citrusy nose that's almost verging on like fruity pebble sweetness. I will absolutely love that smell. This is my second of like, oh, I'm not going to get like a blast of citra hops, but it smells like a high quality beer. Yeah. It's definitely like a lemon, like lemony thyme, maybe. I'm trying to think of what herb that is. Maybe it's mm. lemon verbena. Oh, wow. That is surprisingly smooth. <laughs> you just make that up? No, that's really an herb, but I have no idea what it smells like. Mm. No, it's nice. You said double IPA. So what was the ABV? 
This is good. Well, they technically it's an eight percent, but mm. they say it's and they call it a single IPA, verging on double IPA territory. Oh, okay. Um, there is a very nice hoppiness in there. There mm. is a sweetness, mm-hmm. um, almost like a citric sweetness in there. But there are nice like herbal elements. Man, that's actually really tasty. Yeah, it is. It's a good yeah. blend of bitterness <clears throat> and it, good mouthfeel too. It is mm. very drinkable in that respect. It must be the goddamn fucking mountain oh. water or oh, something, yeah. man. Jesus, Vermont fucking knows how to make beer. Mm. That is nice. Yeah, Ooh. beer and cheese. I don't know. Those guys can just make it all. It's because the, the cows drink the mountain water, yeah, and then right. it's yeah. fucking, you know, <laughs> New England mountain water. It seems to be the secret to all things great and small. This goddamn Susquehanna shit. <laughs> well, the Susquehanna does run right by uh, York and Columbia. Mm. So I don't know what they're doing in fucking Ardmore because Tired Hands has great beer um, for sure. Uh, and they're obviously not using mountain water <laughs> in Ardmore, PA. But uh, uh, no, this is actually really tasty. Um, it's a little cloudy. Yeah, not like super, super cloudy, but uh, yeah. very nice. I'm, I'm really enjoying the bubbles coming up from the center of Jesse's very clean glass. Bravo, yeah, sir. thank you. Bravo. Mm. I cleaned them myself with my own hands. It's a little darker than I expected, considering they described it very straw yellow. But um, no, it's a little darker in color than, than that. But it's actually because really the the lighting nice in my room here, mood lighting. Mm. Yes, mm. it's pretty good, especially since I bought this in like mid August, and we're having it now. So it's it's two months, yeah. a little bit on the shelf, but still very tasty. This is a good beer. Yeah, bravo! Mm. I like that symbol. It sort of looks like a a weird treble clef. Yeah, right. Yeah, the bottle's really cool. It's, um, you know, a typical brown bottle, and we're drinking out of a bomber, and then it's just got the uh, the green, it's got a green labeling on it, so just it's like it's printed print, physically printed right on the bottle. Yeah. It's not like it's a label that you can peel off or anything, which adds a nice texture to the bottle yeah. that I really like. And then Jesse's right, it is sort of like a little tree on top of a weird treble clef with, uh, with roots at the bottom. Yeah, indeed. Speaking to Jesse's musical roots. But that was a nice find. Next yeah. time I'm up in Vermont, I may have to make an effort to find these guys. Yeah, uh, get more of that. Food menu looks pretty good. Cool. Mm. Oh, beer. All right. By the way, guys, you've changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, before this podcast, I wasn't really drinking beer. <clears throat> I think the, the wildest beer I was having was like the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Like, that mm. was like, all right, I'll have a, a beer. Yeah. That was the standard. You guys changed my life. Some good stuff out there. Yeah. So, guys, it's time to have another IPA. And by no. that, I mean literally <laughs> Frost Beer Works, another IPA. Oh. Uh, so, uh, Frost Beer Works is out of Hinsburg, Vermont. And uh, we've had, I believe, their double IPA before. I, say, I thought this one looked familiar. It's got that nice label. Yeah, it's got that beautiful, smooth, sort of uh, I don't know. fancier I, label. I can't feel it right here, the tactile sensation from it. But it looks pretty basic. Just like... Yeah, it's just it's very similar to uh, main beer companies sort of um, oh, yeah. white label, classy white label with some printed text. Some of these other um, here. They have, I think we've, I don't know if we've had it on the show, but I believe we've had the more I, double, IP, double IPA. But we're drinking tonight the uh, another IPA, very which carbonated. is described as a balanced aromatic IPA with six malts, a mosaic citra dry hop, and the signature of Vermont's ale yeast. Citrus and tropical fruit aromas from hops complement malt smoothiness and nuanced yeast complexity to create a flavor that encourages having another sip. The ABV is 7% and the IBUs is around 70. Tasty. So they are a 
Um, they are a very small scale seven barrel brewery located in Hinsburg, Vermont. So um, you can stop in for taster, 22 ounce bottles and growler fills. So they only really brew um, four beers. They're really pale ale. They're just pale ale, another IPA and more I, double IPA. Wow, just IPAs, just hops. They're focusing just on that. They are on tap at a numerous Vermont places and that you can gather 22 ounce bottles, which we did from um, various areas. Now, I want to see is the place I bought it on on the list. Well, wow, this actually has the, the date on it then, too. Yeah, 8 right. 8 4 2015. Printed that right there in the corner. Got the batch number <clears throat> and the date. So it was another like a, IPA, one another. It was like a week or two old when I got it. And then yeah. sit there. So, yeah, very carbonated. Um, so we, we're, we're killing this pretty quickly. I mean, this is like a veal or something. Well, that was a bad joke. Well, that's you know, you <laughs> wanted to get it as fresh as possible. You got to make sure that those uh, the right. the hops don't end up uh, going too bad too quickly. Hmm. Thank you for saving no. my bad joke there. <laughs> Only lamb, no mutton. All right, no mutton. But what is mutton? Mutton is like sheep, I believe. Yeah. Ooh, that is also smooth. A little thicker in the mouthfeel. A little maltier. Nose is nice. I don't get quite the tropical and citrus notes that they were talking about. Not, not from that hop blend that you mentioned. A little bit, actually. Yeah, I get a little I'll bit of that, that like Hawaiian punch kind of. Yeah. No, yeah, I get some nice pineapple pina colada notes. The flavor is just delightful. It's a little bit thicker than the... Um, Definitely, yeah. A little more coconut time. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little, little more citrusy sweet. A little maltier, but uh, also a very, very nice beer. Yeah. I'm really annoyed by this, like, four fingers of head, but uh, I'll yeah. deal with that. The quality of beer that we're getting. Yes. Yeah, we were going through, um, Megan and I are going through some uh, Liquid Hero. We got their mixed oh, case, yeah. nice. and uh, there's a lot of head on their beer. <clears throat> really? As opposed to that keg that I have in my bathroom from Evan's wedding. Oh, <laughs> slowly dying. Is that the yeah. same keg that made it under the bus? I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I met with Evan the next day, and he asked me if I wanted a keg. I was like, sure. Because I'm, I not, didn't, I, I'm not even paying for. I'm not even buying. The, uh, Did I not re- re- regale you guys with the story about the keg on the bus? No. Oh my god. So, <coughs> feel free to edit this out if, if too much or too long or whatever. But uh, yeah, so we're at Evan and Christine's wedding, and we're hopping on the the bus to go back, Jeannie um, uh, and I, and there's probably like half of the older like parents and and grandmothers and aunts and uncles that are like an older crowd and then there's about half of the younger like robbie layman and the brahmers and their wives and you know whatnot and the whole shebang Mm -hmm. and uh so we get on there and on the way there we were like shit we didn't bring bus beers because the bus driver's like i don't care if you guys drink but nobody like walked down to lancaster hotel or hotel lancaster with alcohol so the bus ride there was dry so we're sitting there going like oh man we should have gotten bus beers for the way back and then janine who all night somebody we we jokingly said that she's the female jimmy and she like denied it all night no, oh yeah there's no that. way i'm female the female jimmy. jimmy there's no way no way like you're totally so she goes we should bring the keg on the bus that is which j- is totally a jimmy <laughs> thing to say i love the jimmy that's a jimmy move so uh <laughs> Keith, yeah, Keith Brommer comes on and she goes, Keith, you should run out and grab the keg. And he goes, all right. And he runs up the front <laughs> all right. and Why he says not? to the, the bus driver, uh, I'm going to go grab the keg. 
And the bus driver goes, yeah, all right. And so he hops out, runs over, picks up the keg, um, him and like Robbie Lehman, they come over and the bus has an emergency exit, like yeah. halfway up the side of the bus. Yeah. Uh, Cause school buses these days are apparently cooler than our school buses. Yeah. And so Robbie Lehman's sister, uh, Emily, is that her name? Yes. Um, so she's sitting in the emergency row, which nobody was sitting there on the way back. So the bus driver comes walking back and comes and puts her hands on her shoulder and says, miss, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to move. And like everyone around her is like, Oh shit. That's a safety concern. Like we're breaking the rules. Fuck. Cause we're all drunk. She goes, no, miss, I'm going to have to ask you to move. There's a keg coming on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and so the door opens up. There's like a noise because it's an emergency exit. And they just lift up a freaking keg with like 17 <laughs> plastic red cups. And, uh, and the next thing you know, oh. we are cruising out of freaking Columbia. And like Jenny is just pouring beer after beer after beer. And we're just passing them back all oh, around. Oh, man. So um, we're going down 30. And I'm sitting there drinking a beer looking at Park City as it goes by going... <laughs> This fucking heaven. Why do we have to stop? Let's just keep going. Yeah, really. But then we end up getting to the chameleon club. Mm-hmm. And the bus driver's like, well, I got to go back and drop the bus off. So like, no, you got to take the keg. And so me and uh, Christine's brother basically hawked the thing off the off the bus. And they said, just carried it in the chameleon, plopped it down right in front of the bar at the chameleon and started filling beers right in the chameleon. Did they allow you to do that? Uh they didn't stop us, but as soon as there was like a kind of a die down around the keg, they picked it up and carried it in the back room because yeah. I don't think that's technically allowed or whatever. Yeah, because Plus, from what I understand they were, they were doing it for free for Evan yeah, and yeah. they were like, you know. Totally on board. So that, yeah. that keg may have been the keg that went went on the bus ride, then was kind of being poured well, what at was the Chameleon. It? it was um, the Hop Devil? It was the Hop Devil, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I have. So yes, the uh, keg beer has That would explain why it's there. a little flat. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little jostled around on the trip yeah, back maybe. and forth, but yeah. Um, so that was uh, female Jimmy who inspired yeah. that idea. Uh, nice. I got to hang out with Jimmy this uh, for that. That was really good. But yeah, getting back to the beer, I think I like the Idle Time just a little bit better. But these are both pretty pretty solid beers. Yeah, no, I like the Idle Time too. Mm. Uh, but gentlemen, we're not done yet. No, <laughs> there's no. more. No, no, no. This is a beer podcast. Nope. We've had this one before. And we've had it before on the podcast. Well, that doesn't mean we shouldn't have it again. But it's such a special, special treat. And it's such a, such a good beer that I thought we should have it again. Why? It's nothing more than Main Brewing Company's lunch. Ooh, lunch. Oh, wait, I remember this. Yes. Yes. We had this um, uh, on the episode that we had in the basement of um, oh, yeah. L- LBC mm-hmm. uh, with Justin Klon and uh, Dave Straub. I remember. They had come back from Maine. And so recently, our wonderful friend of the show, AJ, uh, came back from Maine, and she managed to stop by uh, Maine Brewing Company and picked up a couple bottles of lunch. Sadly, they did not have dinner uh, mm. available. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, I mean, they, they had dining options, but they have a double IPA called Dinner, um, and we weren't able to have that. But uh, yeah, Maine Brewing Company's lunch is pretty phenomenal. So, oh, that smells so good. <laughs> Uh, Maine Brewing Company describes it as, there's a whale that's swum off the coast of Maine since 1982. One day, something took a bite out of her fin, which is how she got the name Lunch. You have to admire her persistence, so we named our IPA for her. Intense hop flavors and tropical citrus fruit and pine aromas dominate the flavor profile, balanced by subtle malt sweetness, because only big, memorable flavor would serve for lunch. Mm-hmm. Oh God, this is good. So <laughs> so fucking good. ABV is seven percent. OG is one point zero five nine. For those who care, the malts are American Two Row, uh, Carapils, Caramel Forty L, 
uh, Munich Tenel and Red Wheat. And the hops are Amarillo, Centennial, Simcoe, and Warrior. And uh, yeah, the beer advocate score is nothing less than a 98. Yeah. This is AKA really good. AKA world nice. class. It's so, just like tropical lifesavers, just good hop candy. It's a beautiful color. Um, it's a little bit more orangey than like a tired hands beer, but it's still like got that nice, lovely cloudiness to it. Um, very light. The smell, it's it's infectious, but it is subdued compared to a lot of other beers. It's subtler. Mm. And that taste is just phenomenal. Oh, my God. I love this beer. Oh, it is. It's sweet. It's tropical um, for an IPA. I mean, it doesn't come off as overpowering. There is like a bittery finish that kind of kills too much of a sweet flavor. So you're not drinking like a lager or Doppelbach or something along those lines. Um, but it's just fresh and clean and delicious. Mm. Ship more of this shit to Lancaster, man. Oh. Yeah. Mm. How that far is do, one of my favorite beers ever. How far do they distribute? Are they? I've seen them down here. We've seen Zoe in the fridge. <coughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I guess yeah, we yeah. have. You're right. But lunch does not make it down here. No. And I haven't seen them for quite a while. That's actually a conversation yeah, for the distributor. But when yeah, when the fridge kind of first opened up, I think they had a lot, but not lately. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I wonder if they uh, dialed back production or they dialed back distribution. That happens. I know that the the most recent example I can think of is the old Bay beer from uh, Flying Dog. Oh, yeah. That they they wanted to distribute it to like nine states, and they realized that Maryland loved it so much that they had to dial back to not distribute to the other states because Maryland's demand was so high. So they they basically scaled back and said, all right, we're only shipping to Maryland because fucking people in America love Old Bay. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. <laughs> in a beer. You figure that Maryland would be tired of Old Bay. <laughs> like, I eat yeah, seafood a lot, like, growing up with my, my parents, and Old Bay is like, I'm done with Old Bay. I'm sorry. Like, I don't want Old Bay on my French fries. No, not at all. It seems like it's a novelty thing. <clears throat> so I'd imagine that, like, people in Maryland would be, like, tired of it. Well, see, my, my complaint with Old Bay on French fries is not that I'm tired of it. It's that my French fry game has stepped up. Oh. Because I want something equivalent of delicious, like, duck fat, duck fat fries. And there's no way I'm putting Old Bay on delicious duck fat fries. Mm. I want, like, that sort of nice, uh, you know, garlic truffle sauce or something that goes super, super well with those duck fat fries. So, yeah, you want to give me, like, a, a crappy homemade, I got it out of the freezer, you know, um, doing it at home, yeah, put some old band French fries. I'm not going to care. But in general, when I'm out someplace nice, if a restaurant's going to pass some subpar French fry with old bay on top of it, I'm going to be pissed because the French fry game of places we normally eat has gone up quite a bit. I mean, from uh, places like John Jay Jeffries or Federal Tap House or Mad Chef or even the uh, Parish, Parish Street Cellar, what, those French fries were quite delicious. I don't think I've had French fries at John Jay Jeffries. I've had other food, and their food is amazing. Like, one of the best in Lancaster. Yeah, I've never I had, had the French, French fries. Not that I recall. I've had... Fr- okay, so poor. The be- I was thinking poor. Okay, yes, poor okay so the best fries in Lancaster. Should I go through the top ten? Sure, go f- <laughs> through the top, top five. Top five. The top five. All right, so we have tied for first with with Federal Tap House and Pork because they do the duck fat, okay. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, then we have, uh, I think it is then Hunger and Thirst. They don't do uh, duck fat, but they have very good fries. Um, I thought the fries that we had the other night were pretty good. What was mm-hmm. that? The, the one in Marietta? Yeah, the Parachute Cellar. Yeah, they, they were very nice. Um, they were very high-quality fries. 
I'm sorry, I'm just stopping at four. Just stopping at four? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, they're, they're good things. And obviously, it would be a crime against humanity to put Old Bay sauce on those. But I do. I did have a girlfriend who loved Old Bay in college. And she did put Old Bay in French fries. And that was pretty tasty. Not my favoritest thing in the world, but tasty. And it's good you broke up with her. It, well, <laughs> for more than one reason. Uh, more than that reason, anyway. But uh, yeah, my problem is I when I go out for, for to a restaurant, I want my French fries to be like top-notch now because so many places are doing... Phenomenal. I mean, like the palm frites at Mad Chef were amazing. Oh yeah. Actually, um, yeah, there and uh, the new Spring House, the new restaurant that they have, their French oh, yeah. fries are actually very good. Yeah, did you have them when we were there? Yeah, I think we did. Man, they had a half price burger night the other day. Oh, wow. like I think Tuesdays are like half, or maybe Monday nights are like that half price burgers. And I was like, shit, I need to get down there again because uh, very delicious burger. Mm. I have to mm-hmm. retry that. Yeah. So, yeah, what an amazing beer selection. I think um, in order, I enjoyed the lunch, the idle time, and then another IPA as my ordering. But um, all those beers are phenomenal. Very good beers. Yeah, very good IPAs. Definitely have to check out Stowe um, this summer if we head back up to Vermont. Um, and then anytime I can get my hands on lunch, oh, my God. Yeah. I, w- I would like to try dinner. I think I tried to get it last time I was there. They had it on the menu, but when I asked for it, they were out. I was kind of bummed by that because I know that doesn't come around very often. Yeah, yeah. I and I'm surprised that we've uh, we were at um, Monk's Cafe uh-huh. uh, for Jill's um, birthday. Yeah, and uh, didn't see anything from Ambirico there. And then Gene and I were just down there two weekends ago for uh, we were visiting the zoo and we popped in for a bit. And um, Hill Farmstead was there. Okay, but uh, no main brew, brew huh. no main brewing company. So uh, what yeah, what Hill Farmstead did they have there? Um, they had the one that we did not try when we had brunch at uh, Hunger and Thirst, and then they had um, something I else. I tried all of them because, like Megan, I oh, no, I didn't try. No, was there was that like the shit. Mountains of Mayhem or the Martyrs and Masters. Oh, there one. was something I don't think that we didn't was like a lager or something that we didn't try. Oh, okay, it was a lighter beer that we didn't go for. Look at Mike smartly checking in these things. Uh, let me look, let me look back. Can't say that I've had too many things. Oh, did I not check in anything there? That was a little bit of a hangover day, so maybe not. Maybe it was <laughs> just trying to keep it down. Oh, it was the uh, Conduct of Life, which oh. was actually quite delicious. What kind of beer? What is that? Um, what is the style of that? Uh, it's American Pale Ale. Yeah. So that was actually very, very nice. Um, and then Janine got the Damnation from oh, um, yeah. Russian River, which was actually very nice. And then we went over to... Um, Oh, crap. What was the, the other bar with the like Top Dog or something like that? Fancy Famous Dog, something like that. Okay. Another beer. Another uh, bar that was actually nice, but their beer selection wasn't quite as good. Food was pretty delicious, though. Um, we are meeting friends that don't really drink, so mm-hmm. they weren't really big into the beer scene. But, yeah, um, these beers are great. And uh, so I have a couple of other – I have, like, a six-pack and a – two pack left of other beers to try but i didn't want to overwhelm us and i think we've had them before on the show so but um lunch is worth repeating it definitely sure. is definitely i don't mind having lunch more than one time <laughs> a week you know i don't have i don't mind having lunch more than one time in a day let's be honest <laughs> so uh with that let's move on to talking about a little beer with uh point counterpoint Counterfeit beer edition. So, Mike, this was uh, your find. So, tell us all about it. 
All right, listening uh, listening to NPR, as it seems to happen often, actually, it inspired me to bring up an issue for discussion with you guys. Uh, the report featured high-end wines and how many of them face the risk of being counterfeit. <laughs> it, it seems that it's actually uh, very hard to discern whether or not a vintage 45 Bordeaux is the real McCoy or a cheap knockoff. And when you have these bottles going for five figures on the secondary market, it becomes a very big deal, especially to collectors. Even current wines produced in small quantities but in high demand are subject to knockoffs showing up on shelves and in restaurants. Uh, this brings me to the worrisome conclusion that as so-called white whale beers become ever more desirable, how soon until we see uh, like a heady tapper for sale? <laughs> heady tapper. <laughs> uh, and yes, actually counterfeit beer is a real thing. Uh, if still a small problem breweries and consumers face. Heineken, a few years ago, found out that a Vietnamese gang was watering down bottles of their eponymous beer as well as an Asian staple beer known as Tiger. Uh, this was being done with other presumably cheaper beers, with the high end goal or the end goal to being to sell to area restaurants. Uh, that's kind of a slightly different issue endemic to emerging markets, but uh, I mean, beer is quickly maturing into a high end consumable in the U.S. Will we see someone try this with beers that people can't seem to get enough of? I mean, you've already had people price gouging. You know, they buy Hetty Topper and then turn around on Craigslist and try to sell it for five, ten times, uh, you know, the the fair market value for it. Well, they dilute it, huh? Well, yes. So in Vietnam, that's what they were doing. Basically, they were taking Heineken and just trying to stretch it. So they, they guess, adulterate it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's you always have idiots who buy beer, and shame on them. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. But like, if you bought beer, if you bought a, like a Heady Topper and it wasn't Heady Topper, you would know, right? I would like to think I would. I mean, I, like the example I wanted to use was Hill Farmstead. I think I'd be able to, or I'd like to be able to say that I could tell a genuine from a fake. But I don't know. I mean, maybe if you just took a sour beer and put it in a wine bottle and you called it Cletus instead of Edith, uh, maybe I maybe I wouldn't know. Well, I think that the the danger would be not necessarily. I don't think that if putting a shit beer in a good beer bottle and passing that off as being particularly. Uh, totally effective so i don't see that as being um a totally good market what i could see is taking something like a respectable like um like uh like ovel or uh, some other trappist beer that you mm -hmm. can get regularly and taking their quad and putting it into a west west Federland 12 bottle and then passing that off as west Federland 12 which mm -hmm. someone may literally pay like 10 or 12 or 15 bucks for a bottle when an individual bottle of um, trying to think of other bre other Travis breweries that do like a, a, a Belgian quad. I could see passing that off or maybe like taking a slightly crappier version of a bourbon barrel stout and passing that off as, you know, Goose Island uh, bourbon County stout mm -hmm. or even founders KBS. Sure. And I could totally see where you would drink that and go, Oh, KBS isn't just quite as good this year. And you know, the difference between, KBS at $10 a bottle and somebody else who's doing like a, a respectable bourbon barrel stout for $5 a bottle is a five to $5 markup that you can get away with by right. saying that you have it or taking another good, um, solid like IPA and then putting it up against, um, uh, you know, another, you know, like zombie dust or Pliny the elder or any one of those things is you could totally, I could see getting away with that. I don't think you could put like Bud Light into a bottle and say, Hey, this is mm -hmm. lunch. I don't think you get away with that, but I could see taking a, 
I mean, you could take this, you know, idle time beer and that would be perfectly acceptable. And I think it'd be hard for people to say, oh, this isn't lunch. It's not as good, especially if they're searching for that white whale and they're buying it on a secondary market online to say, I'm going to pay $15 for someone to buy lunch and ship it to me over the internet. That's what I'd be more worried about. Well, yeah, if you're on a secondary market, then that's kind of like the gray area anyway. So, well, that's true. I mean, so you I mean shame on you for that anyway. But um, I wonder how much that that already does happen. Like, you know, I I don't know what some of these local places do, but they have to probably go through some may, maybe rather dicey uh, ways to get some of the beer that they have. Um, right. I mean, to do that, you have to buy the buy bottles. You have to buy. Uh, labeling kit you have to have the you know the 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 means to like do the you know the 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 caps and everything like that so i mean it's a bit of an effort it's it it would it would cost more than what it would be worth for what like three dollars a bottle i mean for that effort i think it depends if you're only making like twelve dollars from a case well that's not worth it i'm wondering if well so like and for the bottle situation sure but uh, what happens if a what happens if the federal tap house says, "Hey, we have Pliny the Elder." Oh, and they're serving and they on pull, keg, yeah. On ke- yeah, and they have a keg, and they're pretending they have a keg of it, and they serve another reasonable IPA, but that isn't Pliny the Elder. Now, obviously, you know, a fine establishment like that isn't going to do that because of the risks of, of tarnishing their reputation. But you could see like a shittier place that perhaps is worrying about going out of business might fake it as a solution. Now, I think part of that's protected by the market forces of there's no way, nobody distributes. So if they say they have a keg of that, it's it's illegal because mm-hmm. they're not getting it through distribution. So if they can get it, then other places in town should be able to get it yeah. if they have the same distributor. So is this where the, that three-tier system actually maybe functions For us, in a good way? way? Yeah, makes sense. But, it, I mean, it would, suck. it would be suck if like a small mom-and-pop shop in like, you know, middle of New York State says, hey... We got Home Farmstead on tap, but it's not Hill Farmstead, and instead it's a cheaper brewery that serves pretty reasonable beer, mm-hmm. and they're going to charge it at a premium, so they can take this beer that they pay a keg that they paid X dollars for, and then it should pay out for a profit above you know two dollars a glass, and they're selling it for six dollars or seven dollars a glass because it's fancy Hill Farmstead, and it's not actually that. That I can see being problematic. I don't think it's quite as much of a huge problem right now because most of the secondary market for that is actually beer exchanging and not beer reselling so unlike wine there's a lot of communities that are built up around I will send you this rare beer that I can get if you send me the rare beer that you can get and so it's not money for it's not money for beer it's more beer for beer Yeah. and then in that case yes fraud is perhaps likely but if you're not actually making money on it what's the point of sending a fake version of you're just a dick then nugget nectar to get like a, you know a case of or a six pack of like zombie dust that doesn't yeah. make sense it's just yeah. stupid it's easier just to get the beer that you can get and then exchange with somebody plus you'll get blacklisted from those communities pretty quick yeah and i bring it up too because uh, i mean most of the beers uh, nowadays it's kind of like the emphasis is on drink as fast as possible especially with these ipas uh but with some of these beers that they're kind of working on is um you know they want you to age them the don't don't drink until series by uh, Stone, right? Or something like um, Dogfish One Twenty. Like a friend of mine's actually next year finally gonna do his vertical uh, challenge of every Dogfish One Twenty he's collected since two thousand three, and he's just gonna go through Holy each year. Shit. Yeah, wow. which is gonna be very very interesting. 
but if like the aging beers becomes ever more popular, then that's kind of when I see maybe like this becoming more of an issue, just like with wines, because who the hell knows what a dogfish from 2004 tastes like. That's well, true. I could see that where I, you know, and I don't want to name names because obviously this is hypothetical, but like I could see a small business in our area saying, hey, we've been aging this keg of 120 for four years and it can only maybe be aged for a year or maybe it's totally fresh and they're just lying and saying that, you know, and I think that uh, a proving that it's not would be very particularly hard and charging for a premium for that, especially for the popular beers around that. I mean, if you said, hey, I have Mad Elf from mm-hmm. 2012, I think people would really freak out about that and pay yeah. for a premium for it. There was that restaurant that I ate down in uh, off of Rehoboth that actually featured a uh, aged beer selection as part of, their me- a part of their menu. So they would have a beer and they would list what year it was from. And I didn't actually get a chance to order one, so I don't know if they actually bring out the bottle to show you or have proof that it's from that certain time. Maybe you know a, a certain disreputable uh, restaurant would start doing that. That's it's possible with something like yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's 2012 the advantage of wine is big, that the vintages we we really understand what's happening in each year. So it's we know if something is you know 1998 or 1997, it's a big difference. <coughs> so, but that's by tasting it, obviously. Yeah, so, I mean, I would taste a 1998 and say this is not a 1997. Okay. I mean that's so what, that's actually that exp- that very experience I'm giving you is what got me into wine. So is it possible that a beer or sorry, if a wine that you've not had before that you would be able to tell if it was like a 1995 versus a 1998? That would be hard if I've never had it before. If you've it never be had hard. it before, okay. but if I had it before, like I can tell you, like this is 97, this is 98, this is 99. I can tell you. And I think that's part of the. It's going to be an education on the on the consumer to do that. Now, thankfully I think there's such an explosion and such a desire for the sort of promiscuousness of beer that we're all just eager to try new stuff that as though vintages are becoming a bigger thing. But I think, um, it's such a cost investment to basically say, I'm going to buy a keg of 120 and I'm going to keep it for X number of years. And then finally like say, Hey, um, as a, vibrant beer enthusiast how many beers am i aging uh currently have one that i'm aging you know uh i have others that i'm saying i'm going to age but they never seem to last very long i I keep aging but it doesn't (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) pretty much um so i'm wondering if it's going to have quite the same concern as wine just because the market is exploding so does it make sense to age it and then have this sort of like counterfeit level if the market's so exploding that the now and fresh is more important than um, old and, you know, that investment into it. So I don't know. I don't know. I would, thankfully, I think right now the secondary markets are more on an exchange, you know, tit for tat sort of thing than for monetary. But if there is sort of like a collector's secondary market, I mean, I can see like when um, Greg came from uh, Craft Tastings and gave us that uh, bottle of... um, Uh, of Matt L from 2008, it was de- it was delicious. It was the smoothest and best experience I'd had with that. But I could see him going on and pretending and saying, "Hey, he wants this for like twenty five dollars." Now he has to have the commitment of putting that case in the basement and saving it for that long. But you can make that money back for people who are crazy about that beer. It's a danger. I don't think we're there yeah. yet, but it could be. It just sucks that there there is that problem that. Uh, I mean, watering down Tiger Beer. Tiger Beer is delicious. Tiger Beer? Yeah. Hey, I didn't yeah. know you were a fan. Yeah, yeah. I had it when I was in Thailand. Okay. I liked it a lot. Nice. It was one of the few beers that I went up to uh, uh, 
a uh, distributor and basically said, hey, can you get this? And he called me when he got a case in. And I was like, hell yeah. Totally and it's nice. a little spicier than I remembered. Okay. Um, but Spicy. Yeah, it was a little, yeah, had a little like kick to it. Um, but uh, I I liked it as like a mass market, like international brew. So it yeah. was it was pretty tasty. So someone to take that, water it down, and then try to resell it for half the price or, or you know, the same price, but for half the ingredients because you're pouring cheap beer into it. It's pretty depressing. Yeah. That kind of sucks. But how much you, How much was the case? How much did that cost? Oh, that was super cheap because it's... Well, but still, like, who's going to do it for, like, 16 extra bucks? Like, you I made do. 16 bucks on the case. What, I can go buy, like, a pizza? See, I Like, no one's going to go through that effort for a large pizza. I actually think this might I be... I would a, like a large pizza. This might actually so, be... You know a, what? Maybe I will because I'm kind of hungry right now. I think this is actually probably going to be a bigger problem in other markets than America to start. Because I think that if you are a craft beer, an American craft beer lover in, say, like London, mm. that you're going to pay a higher premium because all this stuff is import. So I think there's a, a better markup of there of perhaps <clears> taking local beer and reselling it as though it is stone IPA because people freak out about some of these big name American breweries and that they're willing to pay, like we you think we pay money for for expensive beer here, they're paying even a higher cost because a all of that stuff is taxed and their economy you know has it in a way that bringing in something from like Stone, you're talking buying a single bottle of Stone IPA that for us might be six bucks, might be translated over there more closer to like twenty bucks because of Whoa. shipping and markup because they're buying from. I mean, like seriously, I was looking at. When Janine and I were there, we were at a market where there was a craft beer stand there. And looking at most American beers, we were talking like $14, $16 for an average bottle of beer. Hmm. And because it was coming from America, they're shipping it across over to the States. And then they're in a little novelty shop, you know, as part of there. And there were plenty of British people in there who were shopping. And I gave advice because I'd had most of the crap there because <laughs> it was the bigger stuff from America. And I'm like, I've had that. I've had that. You know, like, what do you want? What do you normally like? Yada, yada. So I could see totally like a really skeezy craft beer, mm. you know, purveyor there basically <clears throat> trying to pass off certain beers as others because oh. the markup's already pretty high. <laughs> and so rather than making like a buck or two, he could perhaps make like eight or nine per bottle if he could use a local beer, slap a label on it and say, no, this is from America and it's really fancy. Go for it. Oh, the Brits want to be American. No. Some of them, not all of them. <laughs> Small percentage, but some of them do want to drink American beer. And it is super nice to see that we are leading in that area. So that's crazy. So speaking of terrible beer masquerading as good beer, let's move on to a little beer versus beer. Kind of slumming it edition. This is where we all edition. lose. <laughs> beer versus beer. Can Rob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer? Two beers enter, one beer leaves. So this week, Mike and I decided that we need to pour one out for the death of a good friend. S.A.B. Miller is no longer an entity all to themselves. While the executives and shareholders are probably excited at the sale to A.B. InBev and the $104 billion they just received, it means that the mass market beer empire has gone from two large players to basically a single family of products for everyone. Nearly every beer you buy outside of authentic craft beer will now likely eventually work its way back to A.B. InBev ownership. 
While many fiscally motivated people are celebrating this as a victory for capitalism, we are considering it a failure for beer. Since competition breeds better beer, even at the mass market level. Um, thus, Mike and I decided to sit down with a beer versus beer in honor of S.A.B. Miller. Uh, we picked beers made by S.A.B. Miller to pit against each other for the blue ribbon of Jesse's favor. Can <laughs> uh, I just say now you both lose? No. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> this pairing is actually going to be quite, quite interesting. A.B. So. Imbev wins. Like, I would just say that. Who loses less? I'm oh, just going to say that mine is coming in a 40. <laughs> oh so, shit! Totally I, classic. I almost bought a forty. Well, <laughs> instead I got the oil can. Oh, even even fancier. Yeah. So I'll grab them out of the fridge. All right. This I, is also why I saved a little lunch so I can wash out my palate when good, I'm done. Good call. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I think mine's a little skankier. Uh, the beer I chose was Foster's Lager, <laughs> the, the Australian beer. Well, maybe I'll win for that because I like their commercials more. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, they had a good marketing campaign for a little while, especially in the mid '90s. Yeah, yeah. It's before I could drink, but I just remember there's like Foster's Australian, Australian for, beer. for beer. You know, they uh, one guy hits the one guy in the head with the boomerang, and he changes the channel. He's like remote control. <laughs> uh, that's good marketing. Yeah, when that was good. You don't even like use a product or can't use a product, and it was like 20 years ago, but you can still remember the fucking commercial. Yeah, yeah, the commercials were good. All right. Yep. 25.4 ounce can. They call it the oil can. can. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, am I changing my oil with that can? Yeah. It says, it says right on it, make it big. And it's got a kangaroo on it. I do love the Simpsons episode where they go to Australia and Homer goes, give me one of the big beers. (laughs) And they plop out this can that looks like it's a big gulp. And Homer goes, yeah, that's pretty big. (laughs) But that can is fucking humongous. Uh, also, that is the Budweiser of Europe for sure, man. Yes, it is. You cannot walk into a bar in uh, the European Union and not find Foster's on tap. It's pretty ridiculous. What's interesting, like it's not really big here in the States unless you go to an Outback Steakhouse, and it's actually not big in Australia at all, really, but they say it is really popular, especially in like England and uh, other parts of Europe, Foster's. So from this is from Rape Beer. It's a light-colored lager-style beer. <laughs> It presents full malt character with a balanced, clean hop bitterness, combined with a slightly hoppy but yeasty slash malty nose. Buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Foster's Lager is a full-bodied beer with excellent drinkability. That's from Rape Beer. So, so what number do they give it? Uh, no, what number do they give it? Not what do you get? It? <laughs> three point five, I think. Not really out of five. Yeah, I was just on there looking at it. That's pretty high. Very hard to. And I saw you guys giving three point five to like. What I was giving, like... That's my scale. That's yours. <laughs> Unless... Do you want to drink it out of the can, Jesse? No. Okay. Three ninety-five at the Country Garden six-pack. Just going to get a oh little God, plug out there. Oh, God, a whole glass full. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big can. <laughs> I know. This is, like, an obscene amount of beer for like, a single can. This is, like, three full glasses. It is. It's three full glasses. Oh, that smells like delicious gym socks. The way beer was meant to be smelled. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, to be fair, of all of the mainstream beers that I really, really hate, you know, the Bud Lights and the Miller Lights and the Coors Lights, um, this smells somewhat least offensive of those that I can think of. But the problem is it does kind of smell like meaty gym socks. Yeah, it's like a stinky cheese slash meat and not in a good way, just sort of. Sort of rank. Yeah, you know, it tastes oh. like that too. It's like if you have like it a, tastes like gym socks. Yeah, 
Like unlike the monster trees that that smell like gym socks and tasted like heaven. Uh, it's like it's like you had like a cooler that you used for over the summer, and then you like left stuff sitting there for a while. And you're like, oh, like let me drink this. Yeah. Wow, it actually does taste better than it smells. Really? Oh, I thought the <laughs> <Yeah>. opposite. <laughs> no, I mean that's passable. Yeah, it is kind of a peppery. My problem is with these sorts of beers is if you gave this to me blind and said, drink this, and then told me, what do you think you're drinking right now? I'm not sure I would come up with beer. You What would you call it? Kool-Aid? What? I don't know <laughs> what the hell I would call it. I would call it like, is this like a watered-down mustard? Like, what am I drinking here? It would be very <laughs> Watered-down mustard. I like that. Like that's really actually watered very, mustard. That's yeah, very I can see that. It's applicable. peppery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, this potato salad went bad. But no... <laughs> I mean, like, if it was a hot day, you know, like, you know, Fork York, we're going to the baseball game later, we're having a barbecue, there's burgers and dogs, um, it's like 97 degrees outside in the bright sunlight. Would I drink this? I'd have a couple cups if there was no, like, if there was no other option, you know, I'm not going to, like, totally freak out about it. I'm not getting that, like, nauseous feeling I immediately get when I drink Bud Light. I'm not saying this is great. I'm, I'm talking, like, 1.5 stars here, but... We just heard 3.5, right? Yeah, that's what Ray Beer said. Here, I pulled up. You know what? The, I think the issue with though with the rape beer is that the only people who are doing that are the people who are ordering it. And if you're yeah, ordering it, that true. assumes you already kind of like it. I mean, anyone who's like I don't know, reasonable but, is not ordering this to begin with, and then rating it. Like, but, oh my but, gosh, if I, how embarrassing would that be? Like, oh by the way, I had Fosters. So overall, it's a four, but that's from everybody, like uh, the group voting from the actual site. They give it a forty-one for style. I mean, it's a lot better than a lot of the other beers that are in the competitive category there of super cheap, crappy adjunct lagers. I mean, it's we'll no, it's no yingling yours. by that any stretch yeah. of the imagination, but it's not terrible. No, I'd rather yingling. This is my second. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. no yingling as in it's not approaching oh, okay. yingling. Yeah, um, no, no. But I, I mean, <laughs> I would put this up with Budweiser as yeah. a, you know, perfectly oh, okay. passable beer. And this was my second choice. My first, well, my first choice that I thought about was Old English 800. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a malt liquor. Malt liqueur. So they own a it's couple. It's not even liquor. It's a liqueur. <laughs> S.A.B. Miller owns a couple of malt liquors. That being one of them, they also own Mickey's. Uh, that was at also at Country Garden, but it was only available in a six. Is that what you call a hickey? Mickey's. It's like oh, you got a Mickey right there. They're the grenades. <laughs> no, they, they hey, their bottles just... are shaped like gr- grenades. <laughs> oh yeah, which I think is you know, just trying to enjoy beer, man. I don't need to talk about war. <laughs> <clears throat> So I guess we can move on to my beer. Yeah, please. My beer is the only beer that is featured in Back to the Future. I just want to say right now, because it was you lose Mike. Let's uh, find out. What? Yeah. There's a Miller High Life vehicle, which gives away oh, my beer. Right. Yeah, yeah. But there is a Miller High Life truck that goes around the back because A, product placement in that movie, and B, it was a beer that existed in 1955. Yes. So I went with the Champagne of beers, Miller High Life. Can I just say that this 40 container is plastic? Yes. It's off cap. <laughs> totally classy. Um, but uh, direct from Miller High Life's uh, webpage, it's called the Champagne of Beers. There's a whole lot of tradition that goes into making Miller High Life. We brew the Golden Pilsner with the yeast our founder brought over from Germany, light stable. Galena hops from the Pacific Northwest and a select combination of malted barley. This combination made it a favorite in 1903, so pre-prohibition, and it remains one today. So you know, I was just saying, you guys like changed my life, but like I'm really regretting this now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a beer that's been around since 1903, which is pretty crazy. 
Um, it was probably way better quality back then, but uh, yeah, we're gonna go with a little uh, Miller High Life. So Jesse, do you have an empty container? Yeah, right there in front of you. Yes, please. Oh, there's gold finish at the bottom, not actually beer. <laughs> so yeah, I feel super, super, super dirty pouring beer out of a plastic container. A perfectly transparent. I would say already from the first taste that I've had that you lost, Mike, but. I'm about to have another taste, and I'm going to say that Rob lost. Wow, really? go back and forth, and who I, lost more? If there's a cheap, shitty beer on special, uh, such as High Life, I'll definitely go for that. I mean, I think it's um, uh, Mondays at uh, Lizard Lounge for their comedy stand-up. I think they do High Life for like two bucks. Yeah. I mean, I put this in the same level as like a Corona. I throw a lime in a Corona, and it's passable. Not great, but it's passable. Well, I'll just screw up the head on mine. I don't know. I'll give you this glass if you really want it. Yeah, I mean the head's already like it's kind of it's like a sweet shitty, so it's it's already got that for it versus mine. There you go, Jesse. Thanks. Mine smells like a stale fart. Like you walk into a room and you're just like somebody oh, farted here fart? recently. Like a few people farted. <laughs> I mean, there's a at least a some. I mean, unsurprisingly, there's a sweetness in the nose because this beer is all about the sweetness. There's no flavor in this. That's why it's serviceable. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just taste corn. Hmm. Like, if corn were floating in this. No. Jesse is dead on on that one. There is clean. It has a bite to it. So, I can see why they call it the champagne of beers. It doesn't have that funk, though, that the Foster's has. The Foster's is... It's, it's criminal. I, I mean, I, it's, I, I it's, taste more corn in the Foster's. It's interesting. I think the Foster's is going for a bigger beer flavor. Um, I get... I'm not saying that that's a good thing, per se. But at least they're manning up and trying to pop a little bit on the flavor i am agreeing with jesse that they're i mean high life tastes like beer barely but it is sort of a blander crisper cleaner flavor so i think this is a tough decision for jesse and i'm glad i'm not in his shoes on this one but it is sort of like do you want to drink the thing that is going to get you drunk but is completely non-memorable or do you want the thing that's also going to get you drunk but at least trying to have some what is the abv on each um, well, okay, so let me let me jump on over here to Beer Advocate. So um, I have an idea for what we're going for, but let's. So this is interesting. So uh, Miller Brewing Company from Wisconsin, United States. Uh, so Miller High Life is an American adjunct lager at four point six percent ABV. What is crazy is that the Beer Advocate score is sixty six or poor. Hmm. The Bros rate it eighty hmm. or good. Of High Life. Yes. Uh, it's not a, Dan Ramirez. This is <laughs> no. Uh, although I think he's more of a Pabst guy than a High Life guy. I think Evan. Yeah. Is oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I think Evan is more of the High Life I guy than I am. Yeah. Most of our friends are Pabst people these days. Around there's a large Pabst following, the Pabst contingent. But as uh, Miller products go, th- this is my favorite of the Miller products, which is why I jump for it. So what is Foster's? What is their ABV? It was. Oh, hold on. Four point nine. Well, they're both sessionable. They both technically kind of sessionable. Yeah, four point nine. Yeah, it's funny. I drink one and I go, mm, "That's pretty terrible." Let me drink the other one. Yeah, that's worse. And then I go back to the first one and go, "No, that is worse." It's just like a downward spiral of terrible. I don't know. I still I think highlight is pretty passable. This is actually like you know, hot day ball game. What do you got? No cooler full of highlights works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Winner is high life. Nice. Uh, I want something like that's the least offensive. Instead of like, <clears throat> I'd rather have a student 
who just didn't turn anything in okay. and I have nothing to grade than someone <laughs> who turned in a piece of flaming shit. <laughs> and I have to like mark everything that's wrong. God. It's like they're both going to get Fs. But the one I didn't even have to bother to grade. Like right. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry, you, you got a zero. I don't have to do any. I don't have to tolerate it. I like that. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is translating that into, into an experience that Matt Johnson <laughs> actually had where he had a student while well, he was teaching world religions just not do a final presentation slash paper, which obviously would be an automatic zero. Yeah. Versus the girl who did a paper slash presentation on uh, violent extremist Hinduism and then actually talked about violent extremist Islam for the entire paper, which was also a zero, but he had to put up with listening to a presentation that was so horribly dramatically wrong the entire time. So what you're saying is you basically want the person who just goes, I didn't fucking even try. Yeah. And yeah. immediately dismiss them as opposed to the person yeah, that's fine. who that's tried respectable. miserably failed. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's a student who plagiarizes, like, fuck you. You know, it's like, or the student who just like, I didn't do it. Like, I'd rather the student who didn't do it than the student who plagiarized. Fair enough. Like, Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? So that they put the cat back on. Save it for later. <laughs> nope, that is not happening. I think we are going to empty a lot of these beers. Thankfully, I saved some delicious, delicious lunch. Because I love you, Jesse, I will let you have a sip of this. Wow. Yeah, drink that shit and then go back to a hoppy beer, man. It's See, like, is that not oh, amazing? Compared? That's a good beer. Yeah. I'm not drinking anything else. No, that you should just leave it as it is. Oh, that's a good beer. Uh, that's a delicious lunch. Well, we can pour the rest of these out for the sale of SAB Miller and not feel bad about it because no. <laughs> we're not enjoying this, this drinking experience. Uh, but that's it for today's show. We hope you thoroughly enjoyed our debatable beers because this is one of the most debatable of beer versus beers that we've <laughs> had in quite some time. Uh, join us next week as we go back to another exciting sample episode to be determined, um, like which candidates are going to win the Republican and Democratic primary. So thanks for listening, especially as we suffered through some pretty terrible beers. And keep on drinking Main Beer Company's lunch because that is fabulous. That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer, or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and keep drinking. Mm